I just think I just think that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Combining some classic musical tunes with the Wilhelm scream. Welcome. <laughs> this is the Fright Club podcast. I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And we are from madwolf.com. Go there hopefully for all your movie reviews, including Batman versus Superman. I'm one of the few that liked it. Uh, but uh, every week we get together and have some fun with the horror genre, our favorite, and that's what we're doing this week again. And we're last week was music, this week is music, and uh, we're kind of continuing that theme. But we had fun last week with rock stars in horror. That's right. And I want to thank everybody who commented and our, our old friend Stephen Perez. He pointed out uh, Monster Dog. He would like to have heard us at least discuss Monster Dog, and we probably should have at least brought it up. So our mistake. More, more Alice Cooper. Yeah. Alice has been getting a lot of love here lately. Yeah. On the uh, on the Fright Club. Now Steven Perez, is he is he the clowns have to burn? Yes, is he guy? is. Yes, he is. <laughs> that's your new name, Steven. I'm sorry. Clowns are evil. <laughs> burn them alive guy. Because that's a uh, that's a great great quote. But, but we also uh, want to point out, so a lot of people, uh, including the film He Never Died, retweeted us. Yeah. I know how and I didn't do it on purpose just so that they would do that, but I did tag them just in case they wanted to. <laughs> well, no, because I know you you liked that movie. Yeah, very a lot. Much. So it's not no, it's not uh, you know, brown nosing, but we do appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you very much. And that was a fun one. Um and we're going to continue that musical theme with the best our favorite horror musicals, which is kind of funny because I'm the musical fan of the two of us. Yeah, I hate musicals. <laughs> Yeah, I do. I hate. In fact, the I, I was the one screaming in that intro. No, just kidding. Uh, um, no, that's the Wilhelm scream. I used. Uh, if you didn't know, the beginning there, of course, was "I Dreamed a Dream." That's Patti Lapone yeah. from the original Broadway cast of uh, Les Mis, and then uh, Betty Buckley from uh, the old Eight Is Enough and Carrie doing and Carrie doing uh, "Memory" from Cats. There's a reason I used that one. We'll get to that, and then of course Adina Menzel uh, defying gravity from Wicked. And it's funny when you've pointed out to people before that uh, I like musicals. I think it was when the Les Mis movie came out and yeah. you were on some panel and, and you made, a, you made a, a comment about, oh no, George really looks forward to that and somebody went, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. not a lot of people think you're like the musical type, but he's dragged my ass to plenty, plenty. <laughs> and the one I hate the most, I gotta tell you, I hate Wicked. Really? I See, I like it. Wicked. And you know why? I've told you this before. The reason I hate Wicked is I love the Wicked Witch of the West. She's one of my all-time favorite characters. You know what? I don't want to know that she's really good. I don't want to know. I like her bad. Okay. Yeah, I do like that one. Uh, I still lay Miz is my favorite. I know. Uh, and I don't like all musicals. You know? No. But, uh, but there's some good ones there. And, and, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. I really don't like Cats. Um, Thank God. I use that song for a reason, as I said, we'll get to. But I, I've seen it a couple times and really don't care for it. I never had to see it, so thank you. But I digress. You do. This, this, <laughs> this, this is still about musicals, <laughs> it though. It is, though, about it is. horror musicals. And believe me, we'll get to a couple that I don't like <laughs> at all. One in particular, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. If you're a longtime Fright Clubber, you know exactly the one I'm talking about. So is that all the pre-business? We got any more pre-business before we get to the countdown? Well, I, put, I, probably should, I should probably point out that we had said we were going to do coming-of-age horror this week. And, you know, when I, when I finally put the list together, I looked at it. We have talked about almost all those movies so often, and especially lately, yeah. that we're going to put it off for a few weeks. But I want to point out that our fellow uh, Golden Spiral Media podcaster and also senior Aussie correspondent, Corey Metcalf, he had some thoughts of a couple of good ones. And we will keep them in mind because we will eventually do it. But he recommends... Scream, which is a fine idea, and oh, yeah. also Let Me In, which is an even better oh, one. Oh, yeah. Definitely one of my favorites. And, uh, of course, we'll give another shout-out, another plug for the next Fright Club live event, which is coming up here soon. It's going to be April 13th. Is that correct? 
April 13th yes. at the Gateway Film Center. We are going to count down our favorite Korean horror movies. And man, there's so many good ones. Yeah. That's going to be a great countdown. And then we're going to show one of the best ones, A Tale of Two Sisters. And I know a lot of people not only haven't seen it on the big screen, but I know a lot of people I've been hearing from haven't seen it at all oh, and is- are very geeked. Yeah, this is this is the uh, opportunity because uh, it is such a gorgeous, just, just visually uh, compelling. You must see it on the big screen if you have a chance. I cannot wait to see it on the big screen. Yeah. I'm so excited. That's going to be a lot of fun. And of course, we will record the podcast live uh, beforehand. We'll do a little happy hour first, then do the podcast with a live audience, which is always a blast, and then uh, show that movie. And you know what? I just want to give fair warning. Uh, there is a probably a better than average chance we will have to take next week off of the podcast because the studio that we record here is being totally redone. And uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to get some studio time. So what we will do maybe is just get together and talk really loudly and, <laughs> and you might be able to hear us. That's going to be our podcast, but yeah, we may not have studio time, so we may have to take a week off, but we'll be back and we'll be back ready with the, uh, the live uh, show on Fright Club live. So all that is down the road, but we got to get to the musicals. Uh, our top five favorite horror musicals, and this one. I love this countdown because it has a lot of 70s in it. It does. Which is great. And we're going to start out in 1974, Phantom of the Paradise. And now on NBC Saturday Night at the Movies, Kiss Meets the Phantom. No, that's not it. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw some Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park in there. Oh, my Lord. Oh. <laughs> Awful. I remember that was in the middle of Kiss Mania, and they had that, and it was just, just ridiculous. I have, I have honestly no idea. Okay, what you're that was about. just my little funny. Let's move on. The Phantom of the Paradise from 1974. This is it for real. 20th Century Fox presents Phantom of the Paradise, a gothic horror story. What was that? The story of a sound. The man who created it. The girl who sang it. The monster who stole it, and the phantom who haunts the paradise, the ultimate rock palace. Phantom of the Paradise. There really is the phantom, phantom, phantom. Yeah, here is this is the, this is the thing that shocks me. This movie won an Oscar. That is shocking. And uh, it won an Oscar for the music, but the, I still find that shocking. <laughs> I mean, it was just you know, 1974 was just insane, as far as I can tell. <laughs> yes, it you was. Know, um, it, just as far as I can tell, just crazy, crazy whatnot. And this is uh, Brian De Palma, and um, you know, and it's a it's a mishmash of Fan of the Opera and Faust and Rocky Horror, and there's a little Frankenstein in there, and there's even a little bit of cab- cab- cabinet of Dr. Caligari in there. And it's just all smashed together with this uh, uh, musical sort of number. It's just bad. I'm going to tell you, it's just bad. It's campy. So campy. In fact, it almost looks like they're they're trying to capitalize on Rocky Horror or or something. I I don't know. I assume Rocky Horror came out before this. No, actually. Well, I mean, they're about the same time, 74, 75. Well, I mean, at least the stage show, Rocky Horror. Yeah, no, absolutely. That would be true. it's it's so campy. That character, Beef? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's clearly, he's absolutely based on on Frankenberger. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, there's no way around it. But the main dude in this, talk about the music, is Paul Williams. Right. Who I think has made some sort of deal with the devil and is, doesn't add, doesn't age at all. Actually, this guy should be like two hundred years old, and he's still winning Grammys working with Daft Punk a couple of years right. ago. He's he's amazing, and he's in this movie. He did the music. It, it's it's funny because especially when the scene when he's walking around and all these women are just fawning all over him. The guy's about two feet tall, 
And but he used to, he's I remember him growing up in the seventies. He was everywhere. He was on the Love Boat. He was on the Hollywood Squares. Muppets. He was on the Muppet Show. He did all sorts of music for everything. He was everywhere, and he still is. Well, and, uh, the interesting thing about what you said is that his character in this movie has made for a long time. You think he is the devil, but in fact, he's not. But he's made a pact with the devil so that he doesn't age, which is really funny when you look at his movie like forty years later and oh, think yeah. he looks exactly the same. He does. It is amazing and. The, the funny thing, the reason I, I used uh, the song from Cats there in the beginning, it's sung by Betty Buckley, who mm-hmm. I said was, of course, she's the gym teacher in Carrie, which was uh, directed by De Palma. But also, she does a lot of the singing in this movie. She auditioned for a role in the film, was not cast, but De Palma, knowing that she has such a great voice, called her back. And so a lot of the voice you hear in this movie is sung by Betty Buckley. That's interesting because it's it's uh, uh, Jessica Harper is the, is the star. Right. And... Um, I assumed that she was cast because she is, she's also, she's also the lead in Suspiria and she is a theatrical person. She's a song and dance person. And so that makes sense that she plays a ballerina in Suspiria and she plays a singer in this. And I have to assume the only reason she was cast in either movie because she's god awful as an actress. <laughs> Just flat and. Well, uh, well, it could be, it could be a lot of background work or whatever, but uh, I know Betty Buckley, I guess it was used a lot for her voice work in this. And also, um, talk about singing. Apparently Linda Ronstadt auditioned for her, for Jessica Harper's part. Oh, they should have gone with Linda Ronstadt. Well, that's a voice, my yeah, lord. It sure is. And uh, I have no idea if she can act, but I do know Jessica Harper can't. <laughs> yeah, and um, you might notice, too, if you watch this movie, the introductory voiceover is a uh, Rod Serling yes. cameo, yeah. which is incredible. How'd they get Rod Serling to do that? I don't know. You know, it's funny. Um, I, I rewatched it here recently, and... Uh, just by, you know, sort of force of habit, I assumed it was an impersonator. Because Just like if you heard like, an Orson Welles-like voice today, you would think it was just because that's a, it's a common impersonation. Then I realized, no, it's 1974. Right. That's really him. Rod Serling, yeah. <laughs> and it's just such a crazy, campy movie. We talked about the character of Beef. Um, he's played by a longtime character actor. You know his face, named Garrett Graham. Now, his singing voice was dubbed by a guy named Ray Kennedy. Now, I haven't been able to prove it's the same Ray Kennedy I spent 20 grueling years in country music radio, and the, Ray Kennedy was a one-hit wonder guy. He had mm. a song called What a Way to Go that we used to play. I don't know if it's the same guy. I, have, I wasn't able to prove that. It might have been uh, the same dude because he obviously was a singer and a songwriter. But uh, Garrett Graham, yeah, just so campy. That's yeah. all you can think of when you watch it is he's been watching Rocky Horror. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the whole movie is 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 high camp. High camp. And... The uh, the record label in the movie is called Death Records, yeah. but originally they wanted to call it Swan, Swan Swan Records, Swan Song Records, yeah. which they couldn't use because that was uh, Led Zeppelin's record right, label, right. and they were going to assume. I, I guess originally they almost used it, and they thought, oh, we'll go to court, we don't care. Then they changed it to Death Records. Well, the uh, Paul Williams character is named Swan, so right. it doesn't make that much sense that it's called Death Re- Records, to be honest with you, but whatever. I didn't want to get sued. <laughs> so number five in our favorite kind of uh, horror musicals, because <laughs> we acknowledge it's a bad movie, uh, Phantom of the Paradise, and moving up to 1977 for number four, and this is the one. You know what? I'm just going to be quiet and let you talk about it, because I've mentioned how much I do not like this movie from 77. It's how Sue House. I see in your eyes where tomorrow is hiding in my heart. There's a bell ringing loud at the touch of your lips. Down the rainbow, I'm sliding with arrows. Keep falling as thick as glass. 
All right, I said I was going to be quiet, but I, I, I fully <laughs> realize I'm the odd one out. I don't think anyone has agreed with me on this. Anyone has come to and said, yeah, I agree with you. This sucks. No, it's much so, beloved. So there you go. Yeah. T- take it away. It's much beloved. And it's uh, it's campy as well. Although, you know, uh, if you you know, if you're going to mix horror and musical in all likelihood, you're going to get camp. There are a couple that we'll talk about in a few minutes that didn't make the list that don't mix the two. And it doesn't come off that well. It's very hard to do a straight up scary movie and then break into song. It just doesn't seem to work. Um, and, uh, you know, this one is, um, it's just so surreal and goofy. Um, and it's, it's definitely a comedy. There's, there's, you know, there's no even question that it isn't a comedy. And it's not particularly scary, but Lord, is it a bloodbath. You know, about five schoolgirls who go to stay at, at uh, you know, Auntie's house for their spring break or whatever break it is. And, uh, you know, it's, I mean, the, the, you know, just these silly fake backdrops and puppets and pianos that will eat you and, and then the five girls, you know, each one has a name that just reflects their, what their character is like. Mac, for example, is the big eater. There's glamour and melody. I mean, it's it's uh, it's intentionally goofy, but it's it's the humor is is so surreal and macabre and super weird. It has a very Pee Wee's Playhouse feel about it that I think is you know compelling and fun. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And I guess this was the director's first feature, had only directed commercials before this. So uh, that's, uh, yeah, I think it shows. But <laughs> as far as really, if you can find any meaning in this, what do you think? I know people have said it's, it's sort of a coming of age type of thing. Do you think that has a me underneath? Underneath all the shenanigans is yeah. a coming-of-age oh, tale? Yes, yes. You, yeah, you could definitely see that. And, you know, almost any film w- whose protagonist is a group of schoolgirls, that's that's going to be, you know, some pivotal experience in their life is going to move them toward adulthood. So, well, and I, then you've got the guy, the one guy who's always talking about bananas, <laughs> you know, and there, there's a, you know, obviously a phallic reference there, <laughs> and then he turns into bananas. So, I'm just... <laughs> I'm trying to talk very seriously about a man turning into bananas, and you're <laughs> laughing. You weren't going to talk. I'm not. <laughs> I just I'm 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 searching for someone to back me up here. If you if you don't like just one person out, just just one fright clubber. We tell me. all love this movie. We uh, all love it. Oh, <laughs> uh, and that is number four. Anything else to add? Because I I have nothing. Well, actually, I just wanted before we move on to number three. I thought you know I, I mean maybe people don't realize how many horror musicals there are. There are actually quite a few. Um and. And, and not all of them are good. Most of them are not. I mean, Little Shop of Horrors, for example, um, which is, I mean, most of the films on this list, you would barely really consider horror. I mean, they're not, you yeah. know, but horror musicals, like we were saying, they're mostly going to be comedies for the most part. But um, Little Shop of Horrors, the the remake is 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 the least horrific of them, but it's still a very fun movie and it's got some great songs in it. And, and again, I don't like musicals. So the fact that I like it, I think must speak to its Yeah, that one, I really, I really don't care. But aside from, um, you know, Steve Martin and Bill Murray. Oh, yeah, uh, my God. But aside, I really don't care for it that much. Yeah. I, but, uh, oh, Levi Stubbs' voice, I love. Yeah. But as far as the songs and the story, really don't care for that one that much. You know, and then, the, I mean, there are a couple, uh, uh, there's one called Dead and Breakfast, which is just borderline uh, a musical, but it's pretty fun. It's a fun one. And of course, the, uh, the brain trust behind South Park did uh, Cannibal, the musical, which I got to tell you, they do musicals better than most people they do. They do. They really do. But that movie's not any good. And the other one that is no good is Repo, the genetic opera. I remember watching that. Jesus, that's bad. Ooh. It's just so over the top and, and self-important. And it doesn't know to be a, a comedy. And so I think that's one of the reasons it doesn't work. Um, Don't Go in the Woods is another one. 
is is bad. It's like Glee and a Woods slasher, and that's not good. And that's sort of the the uh, same mo with Stage Fright, exactly. That Meatloaf was in. Yeah, Stage Fright is actually more like Wet Hot American Summer, right? If yeah. it were a slasher, <laughs> and I, I could have gotten behind that, but again, it it also doesn't. It takes itself too seriously. Yeah. And I think one of the one there's only one movie on this list that takes itself seriously and still comes off well. So I think that it's a very difficult thing to do if you're going to be a horror and a musical film at one time to not at least try to be funny. But that's you know it's just me. Yeah, and that's going to be the next one uh, from number three. And we go from the 70s all the way to 2007. And it's the movie version of Sweeney Todd. 15 years dreaming. I might come home to a wife and child. Benjamin Parker. Not Barker. Sweeney Todd now. I will have vengeance. I will have salvation. Years, no doubt, have changed me. How about a shave? At last, my arm is complete again. I'm not sure how many people realize how old a story that is, Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber. Oh, it goes back to the 1800s. Yeah, it was uh, a penny dreadful. Yeah. So it, it's, it, uh, it does not predate Frankenstein, but it, it predates Dracula by, by decades. It, you know, uh, and, it, and it has been a Broadway show. It's been a TV show. It's been a BBC show. You know, uh, people have um, made it and remade it, and it's just so weird. And, it, and of course, the, uh, the, the Tim Burton film is based on Stephen Sondheim's 1979 musical version um, of, of Sweeney Todd. And if you're not familiar, I don't know why you wouldn't be, but it's about a, uh, a barber who lives upstairs from uh, Mrs. Lovett who makes meat pies. So, you know, the barber supplies the bodies and uh, Mrs. Lovett supplies the pies. <laughs> you know, it's very efficient. Yeah, it's, and it, it's a weird story. Yeah, it is. And when it was on um, Broadway, it was uh, and- Angela Lansbury and Len Carew. Uh, and they it won all sorts of Tonys. It, it, Stephen Sondheim did the music. And I know you're not a fan, but he's, he's incredible. Uh, and he's also a little hard to work with. I mean, he's very, apparently he's very, very protective of his properties. And he was very concerned about who was going to get cast in these roles, especially he was concerned about Johnny Depp because at that time, Johnny Depp now is known more of, oh yeah, he also does music, but not mm-hmm. at that time. Right. I mean, he in Crybaby, he did not sing. No. Uh, but he, uh, Johnny Depp impressed uh, Stephen Sondheim enough, and that's tough to do, and got the thumbs up uh, to go ahead with this movie. And apparently now, uh, it's, Sondheim is a very big fan of the movie. Um, it's, you know, Tim Burton is very, very definitely ups and downs. I mean, there, there are some really rock-bottom lows with Tim Burton, and, and, uh, and I think most of us are, think that Tim and Johnny should maybe separate ways. Like, maybe, the, but this was, for me, a high-water mark. Not maybe the high-water mark, but it reminded you of how great their movies can be. And, 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 and as we've mentioned, I do not care for musicals. This was long and I thought I would hate it. I think I saw this three times in the theater. Yeah. I loved it. It's I, great. And, and, and you know what? Say what you will. I think this is my favorite Johnny Depp character. I think this is my favorite Johnny Depp performance. And he was nominated for an Oscar for it. Yeah, he, he, he does a fantastic job uh, with singing as well. Yeah. He really does. Because Sondheim's songs are not easy to sing at, at all. I mean, he, 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 he is challenging. And uh, the one thing about Tim Burton, and you will appreciate this, maybe one of the reasons that you liked it, he insisted the film be more bloody. I mean, he, he, yeah. made, he made it more bloody than the story that was on Broadway. 
Um, and he insisted, and it works. It does work. And and Helena Bonham, Helena Bonham Carter is great. And you know, I think that she's you know she's wicked and evil and believable in that role of somebody who would make pies of humans. But she also there's a there's a tenderness about her at times. There's a longing as she looks at at uh, Sweeney Todd, and then you know there's a little boy that you know. I mean, there is there's a tenderness about it that yeah. I think adds layers to an otherwise straightforward evil character. But Alan Rickman. Oh. So great. Well, back to Helena Bonham Carter for a second. Of course, at the time, uh, she was... Are they still together? No. Okay. Well, at the time, she and Tim Burton were romantically involved. So, you know, to get around the nepotism, I guess she sent Sondheim 12 audition tapes of her singing uh, to get the thumbs up. Wow. Not to just think, I'm only getting this role because of Tim Burton. So, yeah. So he approved both of them, and uh, and you're right. Alan Rickman is just fantastic, and, and you know the the duet, the Johnny Depp Alan Rickman uh, duet is just haunting and just glorious. Yeah, and and then you got in a supporting role, you got Sasha Baron Cohen, yeah, uh, who was who was great, yeah, and he he I guess took extensive lessons to you to shaving and use those Ooh. blades. Whereas uh, Johnny Depp, I think a lot of the ones he used were apparently. Uh, pro and they were uh, mechanical. Mm. That he was not as adept at using the actual razors. But you know, I guess funny. Cohen really got into it. The, there's, uh, you know, at least the one scene, like the very first scene where he he's back to and he's got his his razors and he's and he, you, he sort of you can see it all click together in his head what he's going to do and he just flips one up high in the air yeah. you know and you just think for just a second Edward Scissorhands yeah. you know just for one second it was like there yeah. it is again yeah. and you know who else has a great small supporting role in this is why can't I think of his name the guy that started Mr. Turner Timothy Spall. Timothy Spall. Who's so great in yeah, every in single everything. thing and he's, yeah. gr- he's great in this too so yeah all in all and it's, it has such a I guess you could call it a Tim Burton look about it yeah but it's so perfect for the content. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's this, you know, it really plays well with Tim Burton's just macabre sensibility, you know. Um, uh, and I think that that his his quirky way makes the film feel fresh, not stale the way a 1979 musical moved to the screen can potentially feel. I mean, obviously it can be done well. The Les Mis it, that, they, that they made a couple years ago, yeah. Tom Hooper made, was brilliant. It yeah. really was. Um, but I, I just think that, that, uh, that Tim Burton did a beautiful job with the source material. Yeah, agreed. And, and the songs are great. And so many of the songs for time were left out. Uh, they had to cut a lot of songs, and they well, did, that's good. <laughs> and, they did, and they did a good job with still making it flow, they, making the story because that's that's not always an easy thing to do. No, and I and I know that in the uh, in the original the the um you know young love story uh, has more prominence, and honestly, that's the only part of this movie I dislike. I dislike the young love story, but I love I love every other thing about this movie. Yeah, two thousand seven Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, uh, is our third favorite. Horror musical, and that moves us up to number two. Why this is ahead of Sweeney Todd, I don't know. I have to, I have to ask somebody. Uh, <laughs> and this is from uh, 2001, The Happiness of the Category. Because I love it. Because I love it. No, you're right. I mean, these those two could have gone either direction. They really yeah. could have. And I don't. I don't. It doesn't. It's not even close. I don't dislike this one uh, nearly as much as as How Su. I mean, this one I do find some fun in. You know, Takashi Miike. If you're going to experiment, 
right? If you're going to experiment with something that's bloody and bizarre, <laughs> he's the guy to go with, you know? Yeah. I mean, not uh, all of his experiments work, you know, but this one for me totally does. It's very rompy. It's, it's lighthearted and fun and so heavy with a body count, mm-hmm. you know, and it, and it does, it does have a lot, I think, in common with, um, with how Sue, uh, for that reason, it's just, it's, it's, it's a silly, goofy humor, but the storyline is more interesting. Um, well, and to me, it's also interesting as the, the lineage of the storyline. Yeah. I mean, it goes back, you can take it back, obviously to the sound of music, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's also started with a, a remake of a movie called the quiet family, uh, from 1998. And then, shortly after that, in 2003, another version of basically the same story was made called A Mysterious Murder. And then you've got this, um, which was a couple years before that. Um, so it's really weird, this same story about a family opening an inn, and then they, you know, they don't get customers for a while, and then they do, and then, oops, they're dead. Right. Uh, and then we have to cover them up. Uh, but this one adds claymation. Yes. And, uh, and volcanoes. These, volcanoes and, and yeah. these, romp, you're right, romping type of songs and it's just it's it's nuts it is nuts but in and for me in the best way it's actually it's it's really really well written there are layers and layers of crazy things going on but it's never just throw away nothing i mean it, it's the the story always makes sense and and you're constantly guessing as to why they're doing this and what's going to happen next but but i i mean it's really well written so it's not where he takes, I think, crazy leaps is with the presentation, how he's presenting certain things. And, you know, and I think that uh, there are times where I'm watching a movie and, and I will give certain directors the benefit of the doubt because I love them and I trust that what they're doing makes good sense. So, you know, and, and that's that may be the case here. You know, maybe maybe I give this more credit than it perhaps deserves because I'm all in with him. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and well, we, neither one of us like the sound of music very much, but when you call this the sound of music with a tremendous body count, <laughs> then your interest gets peaked a little bit. And yeah, we've talked about before how, you know, how prolific Takashi Miike is. Right. Just cranks him out. You got to wonder, you know, he's just, okay, on to the next project. And what made him think, all right, I'm going to do this, you know, and just cranking it right out. And you know what I think is, is particularly amazing about that, about his productivity, is that he there's no formula. He never repeats himself. Yeah. And, and so you think that a film this bizarre or as bizarre as something like Gozoo or something, you'd think that it would have taken him a long time to figure out, let's try this. Like, let's add claymation. Let's do these things. And it just <laughs> seems like, I mean, he just seems like a mad genius. Yeah. Yeah. Mad is right in this one. And that is uh, number two uh, from 2001, The Happiness of the Categories. And that can only leave room at the top for, you probably know. <laughs> you should know from 1975 the iconic Rocky Horror Picture Show you've never seen anything like the Rocky Horror Picture Show the Rocky Horror Picture Show is wonderfully weird they're probably foreigners with ways different than our own it's fabulously freaky it's a trip to transsexual Transylvania. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. So give yourself over to absolute pleasure. See the Rocky Horror Picture Show. 
this is a perfect movie. <laughs> you know, it's it's just a perfect movie, and and it's on HBO now all the time for no reason I can think of, unless it's just to make me happy in the middle of the night. Yeah. Like I just, it's one of those. No matter where I tune in, I'm in. I'm in for the. I'm in. I'm in. Um, and and I remember when they when they first like they put out on like VHS or something back in like maybe the early '90s or something. I remember thinking to myself, who would want to watch this at home by themselves? Like it's such an event film, and I had seen it so many times from the time I was very small. I could not wait to go see this movie in the theater with everybody. And um, and of course, I've seen it just a million times, and it is a really fun experience. But the, you know, the thing is, when you watch it, just sit in your living room and watch it. It's a great movie. It is, and of course, you find yourself yelling at the TV. Of course, at the you know at the very the man has no neck, uh, you know, and things like, and, and and well, you don't have you know bread or toast to throw at the screen no. or anything like that. But you find yourself just doing that oh, yeah. if you've ever gone to any of these midnight movies, which are such a hoot, uh, and it built the cult of this thing. Uh, through the years now that has just become just the incredible, you know, legendary piece of pop culture that it is. And it's one of the fascinating things I didn't know about this movie until oh, just a few years ago, that this movie actually is the beginning of, quote unquote, Easter eggs in movies. Where oh. you, little hidden t- type of things in movies. They're called Easter eggs because of this movie, because they are actually Easter eggs were around <laughs> were around the set because they had apparently they had an easter egg hunt on the set and they just left them there by mistake <laughs> and that according to legend is that's how the easter eggs got to be the term where you see you know like in pixar has a ton has tons oh, of yeah, them, all the time all times of movies that it, can you can trace it back to rocky horror picture nice show. there are so many things that this movie did first um and you know the cast of course is great and and uh, the music is great and and you know i had i had this soundtrack Forever, forever and ever and ever. I, I love every song on here. And I had a, uh, I had a cover album you bought for me one time and then hid so I couldn't hear anymore. And it was <sighs> punk bands. So all these different punk bands doing these songs. The songs are great. Um, but let's be honest. I mean, the staying power is the Tim Bur- Tim, Tim, Tim oh, Curry. Tim Curry. Tim Curry is incredible. Perfect in this movie. He's Oscar worthy yeah. in this I mean, the movie. Whole, the whole cast is great, but yes. he, he is, uh, this movie wouldn't work unless Frankenfurter is, as much of a presence as Tim Curry made him. Oh, my God. You can't imagine anybody else. No. Anybody else. He's fantastic. And uh, he's he's just from that very, from the very first image of him right away when you see him he's weird looking oh but yeah. then of course when he when he fl- throws open the cape oh and, yeah oh and she faints and they're all just uh, freaking out it's it's an incredible 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 performance and apparently now i guess he's gonna he's had some health problems yeah but they're gonna do a remake right for tv yes. i think i think it's for tv it could be and i thought that he was going because i believe he's in a wheelchair now because of a stroke i thought well then he'll be playing dr scott but you tell me no he's going to play the criminologist nice yeah so that should be great actually because one of the, i mean he has such a voice he does i just want to hear him talk all the time and apparently um uh, vincent price was approached about being the criminologist oh. in the original and uh, he wanted to because he was a fan of the musical mm. uh, but had something else going on at the time so it's Richard Gray yeah Richard Gray is in tons of, of 70s 60s oh, and Bond. 70s he's a Bond villain well, horror films oh. you know he's in a lot of Hammer movies you know um, he's yeah he's just a fun presence um, I, I love having him in there and honestly for me I think Vincent Price might have been too big a name um, yeah maybe so you know, I mean, obviously, Susan Sarandon is a giant superstar, but she wasn't when she made the movie. Right. And this was before Meatloaf took off as well. And, and yeah. so now you just look back and and uh, and who's your favorite character? Oh, boy. I don't know. Um, probably. For, how can you not say Frankenstein? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, and it's funny. Meatloaf. Um, 
I guess, had thought he was going to play both Eddie and Dr. Scott because uh, in the stage show, they had the same actor oh, okay. play both Eddie and Dr. Scott. And he's, I guess he was disappointed because and he has said that he told them they're making a huge mistake <laughs> uh, because that way, I guess, on the stage show, you could instantly see that uh, he was his nephew right, right. because they looked exactly the same. And he says, I would have been a great Dr. Scott. So <laughs> it didn't work you know, out. The funny but, thing about that is, of course, he only has one song, Hapatuti. But if you get the soundtrack, his voice is everywhere. everywhere. You can hear him on every single song. Time warp all over oh, the yeah. place. Because it's not as strong now because it's in his late 60s. But he had a tremendously powerful voice. An incredibly voice. strong voice. Actually, that's one of the saddest things about the film, Stage Fright, right? One of the reasons I wanted to watch it is because he was going to be in it. And I thought, oh, fun, a horror musical with Beatloaf in it. And then he finally sings a song and it just made me sad. Yeah. I was just sad to hear him. Yeah, it's not there. But boy, he had it. It could just belt him out. And you're right. You can hear him all over that soundtrack, which I don't blame him. Right. You're going to get that voice, put it in there. Right. But especially, I can't even listen to Time Warp. You can hear him immediately. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah, there he is. He's I everywhere. also really love Riff Raff and Magenta. Yeah. I love those two characters so much. Well, and M- Magenta, Patricia Quinn, yeah. she, in, in the very opening, she's the lips, lip syncing. Yeah. The song, yeah, she because apparently she was upset. She didn't get to sing the song. She loved that song. Oh, it but, is a great song. But they had her. That's her lips. Although it's not her lips on the poster. Uh, the lips on the poster were a model, a model named Lorelai Stark. Oh, okay. Who did? I guess was famous lips. She did build. <laughs> no, seriously, she did billboards for for famous rock stations at the time. But so, but uh, Patricia Quinn got to at least lip sync in the beginning. And and actually, and, you know, as much as we don't like the movie. Um, uh, um, Rob Zombie had her in Lords of Salem. That's that right. That was my, actually my favorite thing in Lords of Salem is that she was in that because I do love Magenta. And, and here's another thing that I, I didn't, after seeing it many, many, many times, that I didn't realize about um, Rocky, Peter Hinwood, the actor that played Rocky. Of course, he is made by, by Frankenfurter. Right. He's not born. So he wouldn't have a belly button, would he? No. Well, they the makeup, if you look close, he doesn't have one. Nice. They covered it up. Makeup. Nice. And they had a little uh, patch or to, to hide his belly button. So I thought, well, yeah, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, whenever it's playing, it's not the same thing to see it on a small screen, but it's just so much fun. You got you, you got to leave it on all the time. Yeah. I, yeah. I never turn it off. Yeah. I love every song. I love every scene. I love every character. <laughs> and it's one of those where I just find myself, I'll just say it. In general, just out and about, you know, we'll just go back to the car. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just say, say where, where we, we are. are. <laughs> yeah, actually, like that. I want to say this. Say- this is this is my favorite piece of trivia. So uh, the Swan Mansion, the Swanson, as they refer to it in um, Phantom of the Paradise, there's just one one cut of it. That is the outside of Frankenfurter's. But when they say there's a light over in the Frankenstein place, mm-hmm. that's the same. You, 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 you watch it. It's the exact same building. You know that it is. And, um, and, and, they, and of course, everything else is different because they, they, that's all they used in Rocky Horror was just that outside one shot. But it's the same building. And there's a third movie that uses that same shot of that same building. It's called Vampiros Lesbos. Uh-huh. FYI, it's where the Vampiros Lesbos live is apparently in the Frankenstein place. Nice. Well, and also I was very disappointed... In the recent film, uh, Zoolander 2, which nobody saw, except me, uh, Susan Sarandon has a cameo. There are a ton of cameos in this movie. I mean, cameo after cameo. But at one point, she says, touch a, touch a, touch a, touch me. No. I, 
I want to be dirty. Aww. And you're like, oh. But you know how she makes up for that? She's on a Sesame Street episode with the Count, and they run in the rain with newspapers nice. over their heads, and they knock on the big giant door. One, two, oh. three knocks. <laughs> so That's awesome. It balances it out. You know, it's like, karmically. I, I shouldn't be disappointed. I mean, she said the line. She was in the movie. If she thinks it's okay, okay. But I just kind of went, oh. Yeah, it's kind of like that awful, remember that awful John Travolta movie? I know that narrows it down. Um, <laughs> with uh, called from Paris with love. Yes, I do remember that. And he's got the scene where he's eating a quarter pounder, and he talks about the quarter pounder or the Big Mac or, or whatever. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he says Royale with cheese. Royale which with just makes you're you weep. Sully that. Yeah. Oh, come on, don't ruin it for us, don't John. Don't do it. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so much about the Rocky Horror Picture Show is so much fun. And uh, you know what? Uh, I get we'll be all in i suppose on this remake we'll check it out oh yeah you we know, will. especially you know, with tim curry is involved yeah yeah and uh, and i think interesting because you know frankenfurter is the one you just you got to have a trouble yet worrisome casting yeah. but it's a, it's a transgender actress so that's an interesting choice i like that yeah i like that yeah but uh it's going to be hard to top but then you know what we we always thought no one could top jack nicholson's joker right and look what happened yeah. so you know i'll i'll reserve judgment till we see it but i like that casting that sounds good so number one of course and the favorites, horror musicals, the classic, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, and you know what? If, if you disagree or if you agree with me about how Sue, I want to hear from you, please. And I want you to just keep it to yourself. No, I need some support here. <laughs> Let us know. Twitter is always a great way to do it. We're at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. And you can hit us up on Facebook, too. We're Mad Wolf Columbus. Um, and just the, uh, the regular website, MadWolf.com, not only for the Fright Clubs, but for all your movie reviews and as i said already we may have to take next weekend off because of technical difficulties but right we'll see and, and we come back we actually we had a really interesting uh topic thrown at us <laughs> um bridget at uh, the columbus horror page on facebook she brought she found a list of of toilet related death horror movies and uh and they want us to consider that one okay. but you know what it made me think of and i think this one we may actually do just a wtf list Mm-hmm. You know, just those movies that you're watching and you don't turn it off, but you just spend the whole time thinking like, what the, what is going on oh, here? Oh, there's got to be a ton of those. Yeah, there's got to be. So that might be fun to narrow down. So those are options. All right. You so- know, and while you're kicking around online, why don't you check out our se- senior co- Aussie correspondent, Corey Metcalf's Triple Cast, also on Golden Spiral Media, where you find our web- yeah. our podcast. Yeah, always a lot of fun. So appreciate that. All the Fright Clubbers, all the friends, all the help. And uh, maybe we'll see you next week. Maybe not. But if not, so the week after that will be... Uh, the Fright Club Live. Yes, it will. All right, so there you go. So definitely, we'll be back for that because that'll be April the 13th live at the Gateway Film Center, High Street in Columbus, Ohio. We're going to count down our favorite Korean horror, so you know that's going to be an awesome, awesome list. Uh, And we'll do that first, right after a little happy hour, and then go right into the movie. So uh, hope you can make that. And until then... I'm Hope Madden. And I'm George Wolf, and this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay frightful, my friends. And stay musical. (laughs) 